possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place. Shows for the whole family. Waterbury Palace, your palace, your place. Waterbury Palace Theater. Welcome to the Palace Theater's Broadway Buzz, presented by Webster Bank. The Palace Theater is located in Waterbury, Connecticut. My name is Stuart Brown, founder of the 24-7 online Broadway radio station, soundsofbroadway.com. If you are looking for nonstop Broadway music, tune into soundsofbroadway.com, playing the best from off-Broadway, Broadway, and the London stage, and I'll be your host for this podcast series. For today, very excited to have, I'm not just going to say producer, because Jerry Gehring has so many titles that it, it's hard to maybe encapsulate what he does. So we'll start off with Broadway producer, off-Broadway producer, and then we'll go from there as, as time allows. So welcome to the program, Jerry. Thank you, Stu. It's great to be here. I appreciate you uh, talking to somebody like me, a little guy. I'm, I'm thrilled and shocked. <laughs> well, we couldn't find anyone else. So <laughs> now it makes we, sense. <laughs> we went to our Rolodex and your name came up. Yeah. So, like I said, you've been you're involved in, in so many different aspects of the theater, and I'd like to touch upon all of them. But mm -hmm. let's start off with maybe I guess you can say the most glamorous one, mm -hmm. the Broadway producer title. So I know you have worked on primarily two shows, A Christmas Story and Be More Chill, very different shows. So how about if you start off with talking about life as a producer, what that means? Because I think when, when people listen to or hear, I'm a producer, they might have an idea, they might not have an idea. In today's world, a producer is not just the David Merrick type person, a one shop. So give us the lowdown. The 101. Well, I can say that uh, the way I, I tend to explain this, even to my parents who still are like, what the hell do you do with your life? You know, what, what do you do? Is I say, you know, dad, just think of me as I'm owning a shoe store. I had to get my investors to my shoe store. I had to collect the shoes I'm going to sell, and then I try to sell them. At the end of the day, we are entrepreneurs, and each show that we, quote, produce is our store, is our business, and we raise the money. We find the talent to create our product, and then we have to sell our product. And unfortunately, unlike shoe stores, you can make or break your, your plan of business depending on how the audience receives your product, right? And a lot of people tend to forget that the theater world is not just, hey, let's run to Broadway and hope we have a big Hamilton hit. We'll all be millionaires. Yes, there's a golden ring for all of us, but there's a much, much bigger business here that, that kind of gets pushed to the side. And for us, it's, it's creating a product that has a 40-year plan of how that product is put into the, the, the catalog of theater. In my case, musical theater is what I enjoy the most. And that ranges from licensing to local productions or your community theater, your high school, all the way through nowadays streaming. And so that is all part of the business model. And it is a complicated business model that starts usually with one person driving the ship on the business side, finding your artistic counterpart who can drive the artistic side and then you create what you want to create with the creators and that's kind of a 101 look at everything so how much are you involved in the creative aspect of a show i like to tell people i put the sideboards up 
and let the creative team play within those sideboards. Because if I was a director, if I was a writer, I can promise you, I would not be a producer because producers are just nothing but firefighters putting out fires daily. So um, what I did, let's take my first show on Broadway, which was a Christmas story based on the famous Gene Shepard movie. Um, again, this came from versus Be More Chill, which we did last season, came from directly from the author. This came a Christmas story came from my brain. <laughs> it was my idea sitting in my my lazy boy in in, in my living room, and um, and each one had its own path. And at some point early on, they both take on the same creative structure and and, and creative development path. So for a Christmas story, as an example, um, I got the idea. And a long story short is I love working and discovering new young talent. I love promoting young talent. That's why I love working at the university. That's why I love working with young artists. Um, and when I got the rights, I discovered through an agent, this, this wonderful young team directly, literally right out of University of Michigan named uh, Benj Pat and Justin Paul, who have you know been gone on to much fame and fortune beyond what, what I have given them. But I listened to their music. Um, we gave them a couple of samples of the show to do. They kicked it back in 72 hours. And you know how you hear something that's so special in an art and you go, I have to be a part of that and support them. That's exactly what happened. They were I'm 23 years old. I forget their exact age, but I had to call all my investors. It already put, you know, at least a million dollars into what would end up being a $9 million show on Broadway and said, listen, I'm going to hire a couple of early 20 year olds to write this big Broadway show. And, you know, honestly, some of them are like, what are you doing? That's crazy. Then I had to remind them, look, let's look back through theater history, the Gershwins, the, the Berlin, all these amazing artists had a lot of their greatest work in their twenties. So, Talent is talent. And we hired Benj and Justin. And then once we pushed them down the road of we wanted um, a contemporary musical that had its feet in, 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 in nostalgia and, and a traditional structure of musical theater, because uh, that is, is our audience for this. And I said, outside of that, make it sound contemporary. And that ranged from the authors to the orchestrators, direction, choreography. Once they had those guidelines, I kind of stepped back. And I go raise money, I work on the press, the marketing, I make the deals with the theaters and the investors and all of that to make sure that they have the resources they need to create. And I kind of look at myself as like Papa Jerry, come to me, if you need something, I will find it for you if you need it to tell the story. And that was the beginning journey of A Christmas Story, working with Benjamin Justin on the author side, um, along with Joe Robinette, who is a playwright, opposite them. He was in his 70s when he wrote this. He used a legal pad to write all the uh, scenes on. And of course, Benjamin and Justin have a thousand electric instruments in front of them. But to put those two together was magic. And I think that's why straight off the board, we got the Magic 3 Tony nominations of Best Score, Book, and Musical. And just for people that do not know the names Benji Pasek and Justin Paul, they have gone on to written a musical entitled Dear Evan Hansen. They also wrote the score to the movie La La Land, The Greatest Showman, which that album was a, a huge success. So they they started off. And actually, I think A Christmas Story was their first Broadway show, but they had That's previously right. done Dogfight off-Broadway. Right. They did. Just said several months before. It was the fall before the Christmas season. So, um, And Dogfight, I love to. Completely different than A Christmas Story in tone and, and, and content, but brilliant. We've done it at the university here, and it's a wonderful piece. When you're talking about producer, for what you are doing, it seems you were doing the creative aspect, 
Let me hire these people. Let me do this and this. Stepping back, letting the quote unquote professionals do their job. And then you took up a different role, fundraiser, the marketing and all that, which I would say is probably a lot of what producers do nowadays, but it's a little different from again, the the producers of yesteryear that would do what you're doing, but they might be sitting at rehearsals. They're giving notes. They're really part of that process. But for you, it was more, let me scope out the talent. Let me get that all set and then step back. For the most part, yes. I mean, clearly there are times I would go and sit in every week and listen. I'm not going to sit in rehearsals eight hours a day because I I need to sell the damn thing. But uh, but for the most part, I would go in and say, because it's good to have a, a detached third ear and eye sometimes to walk in that is fully vested in what they're doing and want nothing but the best and say, hey, guys, I think this moment's too long. We don't hit this beat. I didn't get affected this way here. Here are some ideas, but I don't have the answer because I'm not a writer. You said this was your first Broadway show. Looking back now, if you could turn back the pages of time to say, okay, now I'm a little more experienced. This is what I would have done. You know, I'm going to give you an answer that I haven't said out loud too often. And because you asked, I'm going to tell you in an honest way. In hindsight, I would have tried to outmarket the title and made it a year round show. If it had been called a birthday story, it would have had a year round life. It was a, it's a brilliant show. It could have continued on if I could have outmarketed it um, and, and, and had the courage to do that. We had a couple of meetings to say, Hey, can we continue the show? And we did not have the Tony nominations at that time. I just know we were selling out a 1400 seat house on Broadway weeks in advance. And it was a hot ticket with no stars. So it was the piece itself. And I didn't have the courage to roll the dice and and try to go out and raise a few million more to move it to a new theater and go open-ended run. I think in hindsight, I should have done that. I probably would have done that if I'd had the quarterbacking I have now. Is the show being done though regionally and whatever? Because it is, like you said, it's a holiday show. The traditional holiday shows, A Christmas Carol, Elf. I mean, there are some recent shows, but if you are a theater company and you want to have something for that November, January slot, it seems like a Christmas story would be a natural. It really is filled with kids and your bumpus hounds and all kinds of great, you know, a lot of Connecticut artists were involved with that. The Bill Berloni, as a matter of fact, who is, you know, the Broadway theatrical, he did my, my hounds and lives over by me, you know, in, over in, I live in Essex. Um, so um, the answer is yes, it is being a licensed stock and amateur. There is still a non-equity tour out, except for this year, of course, um, big league theatricals. And my dear friend, Dan Schur has a non-equity tour that he replicates the Broadway show. So he, he paid for the licensing for, you know, the choreography and the direction and the sets. So it's really the Broadway show and their casts are amazing and they're really fabulous non-equity cast. And you, if you didn't know that word, you would just think they're right from Broadway. They're fantastic. So that, that is still, it's going out again this coming Christmas season. Well, how about if we listen to a song from the show? And one of my favorites is Ralphie to the Rescue. Can't go wrong there. It's every little boy's dream. We've got to go save the damsel. Let's do it. So from the musical A Christmas Story, this is Ralphie to the Rescue. Trouble, so get there on the double, or she'll face her doom. No, we do something! The tension is mounting, one minute left and counting, till she goes kaboom! Won't you help me, Ralphie? 
abducted by pirates who've instructed Hands behind your back, walk the flight committee! The captain is smirking, cause hungry sharks are lurking, starving for a snack. <laughs> Ralphie to the rescue from A Christmas Story. I'm speaking with the producer of that musical, Jerry Garing, and the other show, which personally I thought got short shrift from the New York critics and uh, not audiences, but the critics. And that was the musical Be More Chill. And it had a huge off-Broadway run, extended and went to Broadway and the critics, and I don't always like to blame the critics as a critic myself. I don't think they always have the power 
But I think in, in this instance, um, because of the nature of the show, more of like a teen, a lot of teen angst, and maybe I don't know, Broadway was just seen it's full of teen angst. Or, but I thought it was a, a really good show. So how about if you talk about the show from its very first inception at the Red Bank Theater in New Jersey? So here's this very well-esteemed regional company down in South Jersey. They put on a new musical to mixed reviews. It runs, it closes, the end, except. <laughs> right, dot, dot, dot. That's exactly why. And I'm glad you feel that way too. Thank you for saying that because I'll, I'll give you a handful of my opinions and I will be as politically correct as possible when I get to that point in the story. So I was not involved in the Red Bank production. But like Benj and Justin, I am, a, as you know, a huge supporter of young artists. I've been a fan of Joe Iconis for many years, have known his music uh, through his other previous pieces and through his concerts at 54 Below and other places in, in New York. We were having dinner one time, my wife, Patty, and his wife, Lauren, and he was telling me about his experience at Red Bank and that to because they love the show so much, even though it kind of got panned by the times, it kind of kind of killed the buzz and it went away. Before it did, the board of directors decided they would pay for a CD to memorialize, maybe make a little money for the nonprofit. Good for them. They did that. They put out the CD and like most theater CDs, a handful of theater geeks bought it and it went dead. So there we go. Moving on next show, right? Fast forward a year, we're having dinner again. And Joe's like, Jerry, I, I don't know what's going on, but all of a sudden I've got all these Facebook followers. I'm like, oh, that's cool, Joe. Everybody's finding you. They love you. He goes, no, 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 you don't understand. Like all of a sudden I have like 5,000 within like a month. I was like, whoa. He goes, then we dug some deeper and found out that people online have started discovering this music and this musical. Now, most of them never read the source material, which was a book. And so they just knew the music. And as we dug in further, we discovered that it had been found by a younger demographic, meaning a teenager demographic. And much like the old days when I was young and we just had radio and records, that uh, it was a word of mouth thing that instead of people calling or buying records or requesting on the radio, they were forwarding links to the music on Spotify, on all these different channels, and people were listening to it and it was growing. So when he came to me, I, uh, I called the record company, it was Ghostlight Records who produced it, and I talked to my buddy Kurt over there, and Kurt was like, hey, Jerry, yeah, it's had like 50 million listens, like 50 million. I, said, I can't even comprehend that number. So I was like, Joe, uh, why don't we try to do something with this musical. Clearly people like the music um, and I love it. I love your work. So I'm going to support you. Let's just do a limited run off Broadway piece this coming summer. This is like in January of that of 2018. Let's do that. And we'll call it a day. That'd be so cool. It'd be a fun summer project. And we did it. So we're going to take a short break and I know the audience is going, all right, well, what's the rest of the story? <laughs> but we're going to Take this short break and then we'll come back and hear more about how Be More Chill became not the overnight sensation, but close to it. Where can you hear the best music from Off-Broadway, Broadway and the London stage? The answer, soundsofbroadway.com, your 24-7 online Broadway music radio station. Listen to selections from well-known, popular, and more obscure musicals from the most diverse playlists anywhere. That's soundsofbroadway.com. Let's go on with the show. We're all living through an unusual time together, but each one of us is dealing with it differently. 
Webster Bank is here to help you move forward at whatever pace is right for you. Whether you're taking small steps or big, bold ones, whether you're refocusing on your future, re-energizing your business, or reconnecting with everyone you love, Webster will help you take your next steps on your time. We're back with Jerry Gehring, and before the break, we were talking about Be More Chill and how it had become sort of this internet sensation, and the cast album actually went, I don't think it got to number one, but it was in the top 10 of the Billboard Broadway album. So it really has had a presence on the internet. That's right. And when we started the run there, we put put tickets on sale in April for a beginning of July run. It's off-Broadway. We just rented the Signature Theater. People think the Signature produced it. They did not. I wrote them a check. It was a four-wall deal. And we announced this. And within, I don't know, several days the first two weeks sold out immediately like immediately and i was like oh that's fun isn't that cool and as we got closer and closer the the listens online picked up so by the time we got to um the first preview there were over a hundred million listens so by the time i had dinner with joe in january we made the decision it had doubled to 100 million listens online at that point we had sold out the run and this was a um i believe it was a nine week run at that point we sold it out. Um, we kind of begged to get a couple more weeks. We ended up putting that online and it sold out in six hours. And we had zero discounting. We ended up, we didn't do any advertising. It was all viral. And so investors were very, very happy, as you can imagine. Um, uh, and we knew there was a future for the show. And of course, all the Broadway owners came to see this, what was the hardest ticket to get in New York in the summer of 2018. I did get a ticket. I got two. God bless you. Yes, you're the best. <laughs> so when uh, all the owners came came to see it, and I got one of those those dream producer calls where Mr. Bob Wankel calls you from he as you know he's the president of the Schuberts, and he was like, "Hey Jerry, uh, I really enjoyed the show. Can you swap, stop by the office? We have some ideas." So I was like, "Mr. Wankel, anything you want, I will do." And of course, I went up there and we sat in the big conference room above the Schubert Theater, and he was like. I don't know how this happened, how you guys are so popular, but we want to support this new voice, this, these new audiences you're bringing to, to the theater. And I have a lot of those stories too. We were bringing audiences that had never been to a theater, much less off-Broadway theater and what would soon be a Broadway theater. And we were cultivating new audiences with new voices with a piece that they care deeply about. And on the surface, it is written as a as, as a over-the-top almost comic book kind of piece, but underneath it are the bones of classical musical theater and deep roots and emotional connections with a lot of kids who feel like they're outcasts or misfits, don't fit in like we all do, even in my mid fifties, we all still feel that way. And there's something that hits a chord with all generations. And Mr. Wankel offered us the Lyceum Theater off uh, on Broadway on 45th Street. And of course, how do you say no to Mr. Wankel? And uh, the journey began to transfer from off-Broadway to Broadway. So we now had a new beginning. Red Bank Theater, huge hit off-Broadway. The producers coming saying, we want you. Right. And it opens on Broadway. And I thought this was going to be the next big hit, which unfortunately, and I keep saying this to people, that was probably why it wasn't because I liked it. And usually shows I like don't do well. You can't come to any more shows. No, I know that's, I, <laughs> and I love the score. I mean, I'm looking at 
my playlist for Sounds of Broadway. And I have two, four, I have six songs I put in rotation that I like oh. the best. And maybe we'll try and, and squeeze one in. But you open on Broadway and what happens? You know, we were very happy in previews. Again, we had the largest advance ever at the Lyceum Theater. I should backtrack one second and say off Broadway, um, the reviews were polarizing, meaning they either loved it, Rolling Stone, Variety, all thank you, the greatest thing for the greatest generation to come, love it. And then you have the New York Times are like, you know what? I felt like I saw a show for a 12 year old because they could not see past their age. I can get into that for a second. So we're like, okay, you know what? The reviews have not mattered to the audience that this caters to. No. 14-year-old on TikTok and is listening to this a thousand times in their bedroom, reads the New York Times, right? Okay. So we're like, maybe a little Pollyanna, but we thought, let's power through. Let's go to Broadway. Let's see if that if that can sustain in a thousand seat house at Broadway prices. Every indication during previews is that it does. It's opening night. We do it. And of course, the Times, once again, third time in a row, pans the show and pans it viciously. Not just like, oh, it's not my cup of tea, but you may like it. No, no. It was vicious. And then again, other polarizing reviews. Rolling Stone, once again, like you have to tell your kids, your grandmothers, go as a family. Polarizing. Everything was, the box office, believe it or not, didn't take a dip after the reviews came out. They, they, they sustained up until the Tony nominations came out. Interesting point on, on the business model. Because... As you, as you know, Stu, in the Broadway ticket buying world, the first four months are Bridge and Tunnel, Upper East Siders, Chelsea, those kind of ticket buyers are not the tourist audience yet, right? I think the, 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 the reviews did not give permission to the known upper crust theater goers, the Upper East Siders, the ones that love to go to, you know, see uh, Ibsen and see one, I want to go see the fancy new new musicals that everybody says is a must see or it's politically correct or whatever is their reason to go, that the New York Times review did not give them the permission to enjoy it and to say that there's something deeper here. Other reviews did, but it didn't matter. When the Tony nominations came out and we received best score, but not best musical, that I think was the death. Now that's where I see the box office plummet because now the our own industry did not give it its due. So with the times mixed with the Tony nominations, we had wonderful investors. We lasted another four months. We had a six month run. As you know, we opened in, in London to uh, amazing reviews um, and we had sold out Andrew Lloyd Webber's The Other Palace. It had a founded audience in London that appreciated and knew what it was. The reviews were four and five stars across the board, Evening Standard, on and on, Daily Telegraph, all the big ones. And then we were three weeks into our run and COVID hit. So it has had a journey, but it's not lost. We're still getting just below a million listens a week, a million listens a week. So we're still, I think, number five on the streaming and the ones you would expect are above us are above us. Hamilton, Dear Evan Hansen, Town, and there's one other that stays above us. Um, but it's still a very, very popular show. I was very disappointed when, when the Tony nominations came out. Um, I, I, I thought it was a slap in the face that so many different components were not nominated. So now we have discovered an international audience that we, once COVID is, is found at sea legs again for theater, the show will reopen in London. Um, and it, it was a, we're already at plans for China, for Australia, for Japan, and um, sit downs around this country. And we'll see what happens. 
How about if we listen to a song? Because for people not familiar with the score, they're wondering, what are those two people talking about? What's what's the big thing? So if you watch the Tony Award ceremony, James Corden and a couple of other well-known performers did a parody using the song Michael in the Bathroom, and there was no acknowledgement. And then the next day, social media lit up and all these people apologized saying, oh, yeah, well, <laughs> sorry, we forgot that this was from the show. And that is is such an iconic number. I mean, that is a number that is probably going to live forever. So let's hear Michael in, in the bathroom. And then if you want to hear other songs, you can go to the different streaming services. You can also go to soundsabroadway.com. We have a, an all request show every night at, from eight to 10. So you can go and request songs mm-hmm. from Be More Chill if you are not fam- uh, familiar with it. So this is George Salazar with Michael in the bathroom. The biggest party of the fall I could stay right here or disappear And nobody'd even notice at all I'm a creeper in a bathroom Cause my buddy kinda left me alone But I'd rather fake pee than stand awkwardly or pretend to check a text on my phone Everything felt fine when I was half of a pair Now through no fault of mine there's no other half there Now I'm just Michael in the bathroom Michael in the bathroom at a party Forget how long it's been I'm just Michael in the bathroom Michael in the bathroom at a party No, you can't come in I'm waiting it out Till it's time to leave And picking at grout As I softly grieve I'm just Michael Who you don't know Michael flying solo Michael in the bathroom by himself Oh, by himself I am hiding, but he's out there Just ignoring all our history Memories get erased Then I'll get replaced With a newer, cooler version of me And I hear a drunk girl sing along to Whitney through the door How would I dance with somebody? And my feelings sink, cause it makes me think Now there's no one to make fun of drunk girls with anymore Now it's just Michael in the bathroom Michael in the bathroom at a party I half regret the beers Michael in the bathroom Michael in the bathroom at a party As I choke back the tears I'll wait as long as I need Till my face is dry Or I'll just blame it on weed Or something in my eye I'm just Michael who you don't know Michael flying solo Michael in the bathroom by himself 
more Hell yeah, I'll be out soon Knock, 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 knock It sucks he left me here alone Knock, 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 knock Here in this teenage battle zone Clang, 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 clang I feel the pressure blowing up Bang, 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 bang My big mistake was showing up Splash, 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 splash I throw some water in my face And I am in a better place I go to open up the door But I can't hear knocking anymore is clearer and there's no denying I'm just at a party is there a sadder sight that might go in the bathroom at a party this is a heinous night I wish I stayed at home in bed Watching cable porn Or wish I off myself instead Wish I was never born I'm just Michael who's a loner So he must be a stoner Rides a PT Cruiser God, he's such a loser Michael's flying solo Who you think that you know? Michael in the bathroom by himself So glad I came. George Salazar from Be More Chill and Michael in the Bathroom. Jerry, we have talked about your Broadway experiences, played some songs, and our time is up. So oh, all these other things I, I talked about, we are not going to be able to have for this episode of the Broadway Buzz. However, we will have you back because part two. Part two this is your life, Jerry Gehring. Oh my. But I do want to have you back because I think a lot of the other things that you are doing, and some of it is Connecticut-focused, nationally-focused, but there's a lot more that I think our listeners would be interested in. So we will definitely have you back. Thank you. I would, it would be a pleasure to come back again. Thank you, sir. But thank you for sharing these stories about A Christmas Story and for Be More Chill. And I guess for those people listening, it's keep your eyes and ears open because you never know, it might be coming to a theater near you. That's right. And um, and when we talk next, I will maybe let you know a little announcement of a new show that we are aiming for a revival of. I love exclusives. You've been listening to the Palace Theater's Broadway Buzz presented by Webster Bank. My name is Stuart Brown, founder of the 24-7 online Broadway radio station SoundsOfBroadway.com playing the best from Off-Broadway, Broadway, and the London stage. Thank you for listening. I hope you will join us in our next podcast. Until then, stay safe, be well, and be informed with the Broadway buzz. Entertaining new possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place. Shows for the whole family. Waterbury Palace, your palace, your place. Waterbury Palace.